Welcome to this episode of the This is Believeland Real Browns Fans Podcast. I am your host, James Mistrucci, and joining me, as always, it is my co-host, Jordan Cohen. Jordan, how are you doing today? Hey, James, I'm doing really, really well. Uh, sounds like Browns training camp's going good, so that's exciting. Premier League starts in a week, so that's exciting. Everything's great. How about you? It's going pretty good. Uh, you know, there's quite a few things that popped up on the world of Twitter the past couple of days, and we're going to dive into those a little bit, and that should uh, lead to some interesting conversations and maybe uh, maybe some varying opinions on what they say. But usually we have a pretty good uh, alignment in regards to certain things, so I don't think they're going to be all that different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, per usual. I guess one of us will have to do the devil's advocate thing. Eh, possibly. Eh, possibly. But <laughs> I, I figured we'd start off uh, with a, an article from Warren Sharp, and he essentially posted a ranking of all of the receivers in the NFL, and he had the Browns 10th. And his mm-hmm. reasoning was, outside of Beckham and Landry, who are really good, their depth is pretty much underwhelming, and I kind of have to agree. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I I think the tenth ranking is fair. I so I read the article and I I think his point's right, right? Like assuming Odell's healthy, assuming Jarvis is Jarvis, that's one of the best one-two punches. Probably not the best, but one of the best one-two punches in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then it's a whole bunch of question marks. And I think the he's right about depth. The one thing, and we're gonna talk about it in a bit, is what do kind of the young guys look like, right? Does Donovan Peoples-Jones improve? What does Anthony Schwartz look like, right? Mm -hmm. Because if those two guys can be active contributors, then it's a different Mm ballgame. Absolutely. I mean, I I think that, you know, they are some unknowns with Peoples-Jones. There are unknowns, again, with Anthony Schwartz. He hasn't played yet. Of course, there's everyone's uh, favorite uh, receiver, Rashard Higgins. Who, I there's mean, no no. There's no unknowns with Richard. There isn't. It, we know who we, he is. We know who he is. Yeah. I, it's it's for better and for worse. It's it's funny, it, you know, uh, talking to people from other fan bases, and I've asked you know people who cover teams their opinions of Richard Higgins, and more often than not, they go who. Right. I mean, no. I mean, I, I think that's kind of important. Uh, I I had him on a year ago. Uh, I'm just the regular. This is Believe in podcast. We talked to him. It was Kyle uh, Andrews uh, mm-hmm. talking about the Ravens, and I brought up uh, the fact that uh, Richard Higgins' nickname is Hollywood, and he's like, "Are you are you serious? I didn't know that was his nickname." Huh. Yeah, I mean, I like, and again, I think we'll talk about this more, but and I think this connects to Warren Sharp's point, right? Which is, if Jarvis goes down, mm-hmm. Higgins is probably the replacement in the slot. I mean, it's probably Hodge, but I think a lot of Browns fans would prefer it to be Higgins. Yes. And I don't... I think Higgins is actually a really serviceable, good receiver when mm-hmm. he's, like, the fourth or fifth option. Because he doesn't... I mean, he did make the fumble, but generally speaking, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He just doesn't do anything that great. Yeah. And I don't know if you are putting him in that type of role. I mean, people want to say that, well, when Odell went down last year, Higgins stepped in, but that's not what happened. It's when not. Odell went down last year, they moved Jarvis to kind of like a mix, like a hybrid X slot receiver. Mm-hmm. I, actually, like they had him run kind of some of the Tyreek Hill routes type stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they moved Donovan Peoples-Jones up to the other side of him. 
Higgins just kind of fit in as that third guy at that point. Yeah, and 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 to uh, to your point there, I mean, it, after that, you're you're worried about Landry, so they're going to be focusing their defensive, I guess, uh, coverages towards Landry. So they're not going to be necessarily all that worried about Higgins. Um, it, even at full strength, let's say Higgins was the third receiver, who are you paying attention to? It's it's Chubb first, Odell second, Landry third. Then you're still getting to whatever tight ends are on the field. Hooper. So, Hooper's going to be ahead of Higgins in that. And given their numbers, if Bryant's on the field, so will Bryant. Yeah. And, you know, no, what, what if it's a fifth guy? Yeah, or... Or it could be like they have Hunt on the field, too. I mean, he would be ahead of him as well. Right. So it's just like right. no. he's the last option when all those guys are out there. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually think Njoku may be ahead of him, too. I think you're right. I mean, I think because Njoku, like, for all of my issues with him, he's kind of a mismatch just because he's so athletic at that position. Yeah. And I think just based on the nature of that, he probably slots in ahead of Higgins, too. I think you're right. I think you're right. But, you know, just overall, it's just, I I think it's important that, I know everyone gets very protective of the Browns receivers and their players, and, you know, of course, the world of Twitter can be uh, a nightmare when it comes to debating uh, the value of each potential receiver, but getting that outside evaluation of this group, I think, is important, because for some people that are maybe perhaps riding a little bit too high, they need just kind of that thing to just bring them down to reality, bring them back down to earth a little bit to just be like, okay, yeah, those guys are good, but outside of that, uh, I'm not even considering those as realistic options at this point. And I think it's important that people understand that, that outside forces, outside influences, evaluators look at it in that manner, which is probably a way that they sh- that the fans actually should be as well. Yeah, and again, I mean, I think... The 10th ranking, in some ways, reflects something that I've believed for a long time, which is really beyond those top two receivers in this type of offense. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't really matter. You're right. And I think for the Browns in this offense, I think what Warren Sharp was kind of pointing out, it's like, listen, at the end of the day, beyond Odell Jarvis is depth, right? It's mm-hmm. not like your third receiver, right? Mm-hmm. It's your depth receivers. Mm-hmm. And those depth receivers range between question marks to just kind of meh. Like, not bad meh. Again, I don't think Higgins is a bad player. I think Higgins is fine. Yeah. I think if the Browns cut Higgins, it, probably in a few weeks after that, he would find another job on some team. I, I think for as bad as the Browns receivers core, the depth is, it's still a better receiving group than a lot. I mean, according to Warren Schaap, than 22 teams in the NFL, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, or 21 teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. 29 teams. No. Whatever. I'm bad at math right now. There's 30 teams in the NFL. <laughs> There's 32, 32. teams. Yeah. There's 32. I was right the yeah. first time. I was yeah. right the first time. 21. Um, yeah, but I think that he's, he's a guy. Uh, I'll hold that. I'm refraining that thought. He, I, he isn't, he's fine depth, like an end of your roster depth. Yeah. And I think that was kind of Warren Sharp's point, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know what Peoples-Jones is going to be. I don't think you classify Schwartz's depth at this point. I think he's going to kind of have his own packages when he's in there. Yeah. 
And so your depth really is Peoples Jones, Kadero Hodge, and Higgins. Yeah, then whatever guys make the back end of the roster. So whether that's your Jamarcus Bradley or your Alexander Hollins or one of the JoJo Nats and Ryan Switzer, Davian Davis. Well, and like, okay, but how... And I think we should get into this conversation. We talked about it. We touched on it last week, and we've talked about it offline. But I I don't know that the Browns can carry more than six receivers on this roster. I don't think they can either. I um, mean, they're going to have two quarterbacks, at least four running backs, five if you count the fullback, which I think you should. Yes. Then they're going to have, I think, four tight ends. I don't think they're going to cut Carlson. I don't think they're going to trade Najoku. I think you then are going to have 10 or 11 offensive linemen. They're going to have at least one sub for every offensive lineman. And then you basically get to, like, Drew Forbes and Sanat, uh, Greg Sanat, Mm -hmm. is the two guys that I think may kind of be bubbly. But I I think they'll have 11. Uh, Because given the athletic piece on Dunn today, I don't think he's getting cut. I don't think Nick Harris is getting cut because they seem to be high on him. I don't think a guy named Blake is getting cut because I know he didn't play much, but his numbers were insane <laughs> for when he did play. Like he may actually be really good. Yeah. Hudson's a rookie, so he's not getting cut. Hubbard's not getting cut because it would cost the Browns a ton of money. So, I mean, I guess you have Alex Taylor, Drew Forbes, and Greg Sanat at that point. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Forbes makes it. Maybe not. So it's ten to eleven. Anyways, ten to eleven. Let's say five running backs, that's 15. Two quarterbacks, that's 17. Four tight ends, that's 21. I I don't think you can have more than six. You can't. Because you still have to have a defense and a special teams. Yeah, you, you can't. So if you had six, that puts you up to 27. And I think that's the max. So and, and that's... really, to me, this receiver position is between, like, those last, Schwartz isn't depth. Peoples, Jones, Hodge, and Higgins is who Sharp is referring to. Yes. And I think he has a really fair point. He like, does. Peoples, Jones is evidently having a great camp. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely still a little bit of a question mark. Yeah, he, it's it still is. And we'll, we'll touch on Peoples, Jones specifically a little bit uh, more in a second. But... You're you're right with what Sharp is going at. He's going at the fact that outside of the top two and Schwartz, it's uh, if those other guys have to be playing for one reason or another, they're in trouble. Right. I mean, it's well. So I don't think this because I think I'm the only person on the planet that thinks Case Keenum's a really good quarterback, like for what he is. <laughs> not not like he's not like amazing but do, for do what you want to tack on backup. do you want to tack on yeah. back up to that sentence right right I, mean, he's <laughs> a, he's, I think he's probably the best or one of the best backups in the nfl yeah um but it's the idea like if pat mahomes gets hurt the chief season's done mm-hmm. like wrap it up they, they i don't care how good andy reed is if mahomes gets hurt they're done i think if odell and jarvis both get hurt Browns are done. We saw what that looked like last year against the Jets. And I know that was weird. They didn't have practice. It probably is a little bit better in reality. Sure. Fair point. Point taken. It's still not that much better. No. It's it's incrementally just, it's a minimal change, honestly. 
I mean, like, the, to a certain extent, the statement I just made is stupid, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, if Nick Chubb gets hurt, the Browns season's done. Like, there's a lot of guys on a lot of teams you could say that for. Yeah. But what I will say is I don't think Jarvis has an injury history at all, but Odell does, especially recently, right? Like, I don't mm. think it's a guarantee he's healthy all season. No, I mean, looking at Odell, he's someone who hasn't been healthy in a, for an entire season uh, very often in his career to begin with. Right. And, and looking at um, his trends, uh, outside of the all 16 games he played in the first year in Cleveland, uh, excluding that season, it's... 23 games out of a possible 36 in those other three and that's kind of that's that's alarming considering you know one of those seasons he played four and this past one he played seven right right yeah i oh i, I again and I, i've said this for a year i am much higher on odell than i think a lot of browns fans have become mm-hmm. i think I, and i think the game i point to is the dallas game Right. Mm-hmm. That was the game where it was like, okay, this is what Odell Beckham can be. And for a lot of reasons, he didn't see that again. And then he got hurt. Uh, and there was reasons for that. I think the weather started getting a little bit worse. I think teams kind of keyed in on what Baker was doing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that game, Odell was incredible. So I, I like Odell. I think Sharp is correct, right? Odell yes. and Jarvis are probably a top five, one, two receiver punch in the NFL. But after that, like, if Odell gets hurt, you better hope Donovan Peoples-Jones improves. Yeah. If at any point uh, they have to turn to their depth, you got to be looking at, honestly, I think Peoples-Jones would be the natural fit to step up and take a spot, not necessarily Higgins. And this is where we're going to uh, pivot to Mr. Peoples-Jones, because apparently he's having the camp of a lifetime right now. Everything I see about Peoples Jones is, is everyone's raving about how good he's looking. And again, it's silly season when it comes to guys. It's the best shape of his life. He's never been this thin. He's never had this much muscle. He's never been this fast. All other crap. But when it comes to someone like Peoples Jones, I think some of it you need to actually take into consideration, considering some of the knocks on him coming out of college. So I I do think that this is actually something to kind of look at and be like, okay, this is a good sign. This shows that maybe they do have something beyond uh, Landry and Beckham. Also, he was really getting good to end the season last year. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's something people forgot just because of how many other things were going on. But Peoples Jones ended the season really strong. He was playing really well. He was really good off play action. Mm-hmm. I saw a stat. I was looking at numbers. I saw a stat, like, Peoples-Jones averaged more yards on play-action rollouts than any other Brown. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, considering, you know, how much hype the other receivers and pass catchers get, Peoples-Jones kind of gets lost in the mix because he's not, or he wasn't, and he hasn't been, like, a a fan favorite on the team. Right, right. So... No, exactly. I really just, I... And I think part of it is the Michigan thing, for better or for worse. I think Ohio Cleveland fans sometimes react that way. Like we saw mm-hmm. it with Jabril Peppers. I think we saw it a little bit with Peoples Jones. But I think 
what we also need to recognize is Peoples Jones was misused in college. Literally everybody says that. Like, there's not one person that's like, yeah, Harbaugh used him the right way. He just didn't perform. I mean, there there is that. I mean, the quarterback play there was also pretty uh, – calling it erratic is being nice. Uh, right. Dreadful is more, more accurate over the – over the time that Harbaugh's been there for the most part. But I will say that there are there were a couple things that were said about him throughout the scouting draft process, which I think were valid, and that was he isn't he wasn't great at creating separation in college, and mm-hmm. he never had a hundred yard receiving game either. And I think those were two things that were like okay, he's a sixth round pick, if it doesn't work out because of those things are still prevalent no big deal. Yeah, and I mean, I saw on Twitter some people like, oh, well, maybe this is good news for the Browns because it means he can replace Odell. I, I don't think people, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think Peoples Jones will ever be that good. I don't know. But that. I do think Peoples Jones could become a really good kind of top backup. Do, do you know what Peoples Jones can become? Hmm. Everything and anything that people think Rashard Higgins is. I think he already is there. Oh, I think oh, he's Oh, he's. I think he's already passed him. To be honest with you, but yeah. with the the view of the I, the very distorted view of what people think Rashard Higgins is, I think Donovan Peoples Jones can be that because everyone acts like Rashard Higgins is this magical, just wonder receiver. I, I think Donovan Peoples Jones can actually be and perform at the level that people think Higgins is and can. Yeah, I and I like to give Higgins like a little credit. I do. I think the main reason the Browns keep him every year is that the relationship he has with Baker. That's it. I think that's I, it. Well, yeah. I mean, that's it. And again, he doesn't make many. I, I, the fumble notwithstanding, mm-hmm. he does not make that many mistakes. He just like he does not get separation. Right. He does not generate his own separation. Mm-hmm. He has good hands, not great hands like they're fine mm-hmm. he can't if baker overthrows him he can't catch it which is fine like right like it, it he's not like dropping good passes he's not m- misrunning routes mm-hmm. he just he runs routes like they're designed on this sheet right which means if he's up against a good cornerback or in his case more than likely a good safety yeah he doesn't get the separation he needs and so i i just it, where I think people's receivers take some time to cook, so to speak. Like they do. Most receivers are not amazing their first year. I think people's Jones can really become this utility receiver, right? That probably plays in the NFL for a decade because he can be every team's backup, no matter the offense they run. And that's kind of what I foresee for people's Jones. I think he'll probably be best in play action systems because it gives him an extra second to get that separation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I mean, he right now is the number three in terms of depth. I think Schwartz is like the prototypical third receiver, but I think Peebles Jones is like the third receiver in terms of depth right now. I, I think For you're good right. Reason. Yeah, For you're, good reason. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Again, like I said before, uh, the reports on Peoples Jones in camp is he's dynamic and he's making ridiculous plays and he's he's doing everything that you would expect a, a starting receiver to do. He's making incredible plays, incredible catches. I mean, again, it's camp, whatever. 
it's just I think it is noteworthy considering what he was coming out of college. Yeah, no, I, I I think the Browns hiring a new receivers coach last year, the guy they brought in from the Dolphins, was really smart. And I know there was some concern about it because the guy they got rid of coached Beckham and Landry at LSU. But this new guy actually, like, even to give him credit on Higgins, like, Higgins was better last year, not by a substantial margin, but definitely by a decent bit than he was under Kitchens. I think the way we were using Odell was different. And I know part of that belongs to Stefanski, mm-hmm. but I think part of it belongs to the receivers coach. So, I, and I think people's Jones is kind of the biggest point here, right? Like there, he's really improved over the course of a year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you can see the, the difference and, and it's, it's very, <laughs> It's very uh, important to to when that type of difference is seen to realize yeah. where it comes it, from. Yeah, I mean it's Chad O'Shea, uh, and he worked with the Patriots, which is, and then the Dolphins, which is kind of like a weird fit to me. But evidently, he's good at coaching receivers, and I don't know. I, I people confuse best camp uh, in the history of football with all of a sudden an X receiver. Mm-hmm. But having a good camp at least means... And, and, like, to be fair, some of those highlights are against A.J. Green, who is supposedly having a great camp. And, like, I get mm-hmm. it. He was an undrafted corner last year that more than likely makes this year's roster. That's awesome. Yeah. But, but but like, Peoples-Jones has gone up against better cornerbacks than that. Yeah, he has. So, so grain of salt, right? Yeah, of but course. Still, of course. He's improved. I think it's clear he's improved. From everything that's been said, from what we saw to end last season, he's improved. Yeah. I do think he makes a much larger impact than I think a lot of people expect him to make in the passing game. Not that he's going to be a key figure, but I think he will have his moments. Right. I agree. I totally agree. All right. Are you, are you ready for the, uh, the powder keg segment? Let's Is- do it. Okay. Powder keg segment. Uh, Jeff Schwartz uh, was on a podcast. There was a clip of him talking about uh, the Browns and Baker Mayfield and uh, ultimately how far he can lead them. And essentially he came to the conclusion that if it was on with the Browns roster, which he called the most talented in the NFL. Okay, so let's get that straight first. Mm-hmm. He said that the only difference is that when it comes to the quarterback position is Baker Mayfield someone that could go to Arrowhead in January and win. And he, he ultimately came to the conclusion of no. And then he ultimately, additionally, he said that, you know, a, a second large con or, you know, second, a large contract to Baker would, uh, it was also said with the other two guys on the clip that it would be a gift to the AFC North, along with one for Lamar Jackson. And I, I don't know where you stand on that, but essentially because him getting a large contract, and this is something we've touched on before, means that other higher-paid guys in the offense then go away, like we've seen every single time. So like when the Ravens gave Joe Flacco a whole bunch of money, when the Seahawks paid Russell Wilson. We've seen it time and time again with those guys that are just that 
tier or two below elite what happens. And there's a drop-off. He said that he thinks that Baker is a guy that can get them wins and into the playoffs most years. But getting past a team like the Chiefs may not be in the cards. Yeah, so, I mean, I, to make a quick point on the Lamar Jackson point, I'm kind of where Kyle was when we had him on a few weeks ago, Mm -hmm. which is I think Lamar Jackson will probably get slightly overpaid, but it's an overpay where you're kind of like, there's no, like, the chances of you finding a better alternative are very low. Yes. Right? It's like, actually, I don't think dissimilar to what the Browns did with Nick Chubb, right? Mm -hmm. Do I really want to be paying a running back that much money well on this team yeah but generally speaking right just holistically yeah. probably not mm-hmm. but but the ability to find an alternative to nick chubb that can get you kind of like those like a- added wins right I-, I just don't think is very possible to come by and i kind of feel like the same with lamar jackson like do i think lamar jackson will consistently be a top eight quarterback in the nfl every year no do i think there will be years where he is a top eight quarterback in the nfl absolutely right and, and so i i think with baker the question is, and I, so to be fair, like the way I compare Lamar, compare Lamar Jackson to is Russell Wilson, right? Like, is it an overpay? Yeah. Can you still like theoretically design a team that go to the Super Bowl? Absolutely. My fear with Baker is, I just I have not seen uh, enough to like for, you give Baker forty million, even with the rising cap, mm-hmm. it becomes subsist like it becomes substantially harder to maintain a roster. It does. And I really, like, I just need to see some consistency. Like, if Baker looks like he did at the end of last year for a full 16 games in playoffs this year, Mm -hmm. which probably means the Browns are getting to at least the AFC championship game. Yes. Right? Uh, In that world, my view is, is Payne Baker what he'll get, which I think will probably be in that world, probably 38 to 42. Is it an overpay? Absolutely. But, like, if he does a consistent, like, 17 games plus playoffs, I will kind of feel like, okay, it's not ideal, but the chance of finding somebody better are very low. If Baker does exactly what he did last season, which is eight great games and eight, or eight bad games solved by eight great games, I'm not going to be convinced. And to me, that's when you franchise tag him. Mm-hmm. because i think jeff schwartz is right now to be fair i don't like everything i don't see joe burrow as a guy that's definitely going to be better than baker i know that's like unpopular but joe burrow like can't throw the ball long he had to redo his entire throwing motion this summer and he supposedly has looked terrible at camp he is very jumpy in the pocket which contributed to all the sacks he took last year I just, I am not super high on him. So I think the AFC North's in a weird position where Steelers, I don't know how they're going to find a quarterback, but I'm sure at some point they will, just maybe a few years away. It's very possible Lamar Jackson's the best quarterback in the division. So the question is, can you win the division with Baker if the Ravens have Lamar Jackson? And I, I, Lamar Jackson won an MVP, right? Mm-hmm. No, no matter your views on Lamar Jackson, he won an MVP. Baker hasn't come anywhere close. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, I I think I agree with Jeff Schwartz, at least right now. 
And that's that's where I fall. And I, I think anyone who's listened to this podcast probably feels exactly the same way. They they have mm-hmm. a very good idea of, or at least we we believe we have a very good idea of what Baker Mayfield is, what his strengths and weaknesses are, and I'm, I I have to agree. I can't be like sit here pound the table and be like, "Yep, Baker Mayfield's going to go into Arrowhead and win in January." To go to the Super Bowl, or it's hard to to, to be like, "Yep, that's going to happen." Because, <laughs> I mean, first of all, he already did and lost. Um, well, and I mean, the problem with Baker is the inconsistency, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's been the rub on him basically since the Browns drafted him, right? It could he go in Arrowhead in January and win? Yeah, I think he could, right? You just need a good Baker game. You need a second half of the Chiefs game, Baker mm-hmm. game. But like, that's the that has been the rub on Baker basically since the Browns drafted him is like you just don't know which Baker you're going to get you you really don't and that's 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 where you get to where we are with this is that I mean I I think when you say he could yeah like yes there's a chance that he could go into Arrowhead and win if I had to put a percentage out of 100 on that I'd probably put it at the 10 to 15 percent range not very high like yeah it's possible but overwhelming majority Oh, you know, overwhelming odds favor the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, to me, I I don't like judging quarterbacks early. And I know Josh Allen, like, had that year last year. And I think we kind of now know who Josh Allen is. But there mm-hmm. are examples of quarterbacks where it still really took them quite a few years to kind of figure out who they are. Like, Drew Brees is the classic example, right? But mm-hmm. there, there's others, too. And so I am always open to the idea that Baker can become consistent. I just, we haven't seen it yet, which makes mm-hmm. it so hard for me to, and this is my point. This is what I've said for two years now. I don't know who Baker is, is a quarterback. I, I know his personality, and I think he has the personality for it. But that's all I know. Right? Because maybe it's just that he will be inconsistent, right? Maybe he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's where the evidence leads me at this point. And I mean that in a good way. I don't mean, like, in a bad way. Just that inconsistency. I mean, it's possible. It it certainly is. Maybe he is that Ryan Fitzpatrick. I will say in the time Drew Brees played, I believe the same money as I'm trying to count here and talk at the same time, which you know uh, is quite the challenge to do <laughs> when you're not sitting there counting. Uh, so 28, uh, 43. So through 43 games, through that season for Drew Brees, which is his fourth year at the age of 25, mm-hmm. he completed 65.5% of his passes for 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Yeah, but I mean, don't forget, like the Chargers still drafted his replacement. Oh, I know. I, I'm very much aware they they drafted like, his replacement after that. Okay. Yeah, and so I I mean I hear your point though, right? Yeah. I, I, I all I'm saying is there's like I don't think it's always the best bet to judge quarterbacks this early is like a fan and outside observer. Mm-hmm. The problem is as a team we kind of have to. Like mm-hmm. I think they can and they will take another year to evaluate Baker because of Jeff what Jeff Schwartz said. Mm-hmm. Right, he's not wrong. But then they kind of have to make that judgment. And I, I, 
I don't know. I just, to me, I don't know. And and the the real quick, the one thing I will say is that Baker did have more uh, throwing attempts and more yards per game this past year than Brees did. Just you know, a oh, little bit of cleanup on a little bit of cleanup on there. But uh, it, the important thing to note with that is sometimes it's not always numbers with stuff like this. It's the intangibles, and Drew Brees has always had the intangibles, which has allowed him to to have the career he did with his short stature. Sure, short stature and not great arm strength, but like, and really, I mean, I remember that was kind of like the first phase of my football watching is like a kid were kind of around those Chargers teams. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when Rivers got drafted thinking like, wow, that's surprising Mm -hmm. uh, because I didn't foul closely enough. But what I remember about Breeze, the year he, so I think he has a Pro Bowl season and then they trade him is if I remember it correctly. Let me let me pull his numbers back up here. He yeah. was let's see, thirteen time Pro Bowler. Let me see if I can get a breakdown of this list. Uh, let's see. His last season in San Diego was two thousand five. Then he was a free agent and became, uh, signed with the Saints after the <laughs> after the right. uh, Dolphins botched that entire. Uh... I forgot about that. Yeah. Not to have too much of a side tangent. What an how, alternative how, how, how different is is the world of football? Two thousand four, uh, he had a Pro Bowl season, then they drafted his replacement. Wow. But again, yeah. Pro Bowl, not all pro. That's that's not it's important to note. But right, but still, like you see my point. So mm-hmm. like I remember that season. What was clearly different? So like Drew Brees always had the processing ability. That's mm-hmm. why he got drafted in the second round, mm-hmm. right? Like, Drew Brees could read a field like lightning. Like, mm-hmm. it, I've never, I, to this day, I don't know that I will ever see anything like how Drew Brees can, how quickly he could diagnose a play. But what the difference was that year he went to the Pro Bowl was that he kind of figured out how to make those throws, mm-hmm. how to make all the throws. Yeah. And I think for Baker, it's almost the opposite problem. I think Baker can't, like, Baker can squeeze things in tight windows. He can make a lot of throws. I don't think he reads the field all that well. He doesn't. We've seen and that. I, so we've it's seen kind that of like in, the opposite problem. We've seen that in the training camp videos. I mean, again, right. training camp, but the same problems that we've seen with Baker and you know, the same mistakes we've seen him make in games, he's making in, in camp right now, and that's basically failing to see the underneath coverage. Right. And, I, I mean... From everything I've heard, Woods has definitely changed up the defense a little bit, which I think is a good thing. It sounds mm-hmm. like what was a very heavy cover three, cover four defense last season may become a heavy cover two, cover four defense this season. Sounds good. They may to do me. a lot less single. Yeah, I, I mean, I to me that's kind of it lets you disguise easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the advantage to cover one, cover three is you can get you can isolate your cornerbacks and man coverage, mm-hmm. which is good for Ward. Um, but I, anyways. It's cover, especially like kind of those cover four, cover six kind of where you're doing like one half of the field, one zone, the other half, the other. Yeah. Is really good for disguising. And Baker can't read it. No, he can't. And it's, I mean, that has been his problem his entire career. It's not that he can't make the throws. And I think this is where, like, if you watch like YouTube videos of like non Browns fans, but that are high on Baker, Mm. this is what they say every time. He can make all of the throws. 
and he's not immobile. Like he can move a little bit. And I agree with all of that. Yeah. I think that's why Baker will have a long career in the NFL just because of that. I don't know. That means he'll start for a long time, but I think he'll have a long career because of that. Mm -hmm. But the problem is he's still like, it's, this is the other frustrating thing. It's not like he's, there's a lot of different things he can't diagnose. It's one thing, right? It's underneath coverage. Yep. Same time. Every time. Every interception he made, not every, but I, if I remember seeing like most of his interceptions are middle of the field, uh, often high. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, that's what he bites at, which, and to be fair in the second Steelers game or the third Steelers game, the one, the playoffs, the Steelers tried doing that, and he read it, right? He yeah. read Minka Fitzpatrick. So he can do it. It just – the question is, can he do it consistently enough? And that's what we have to see this year. Mm-hmm. Because teams are going to disguise. And, like, defensive coordinators are smart. Oh, yeah. It, 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 you don't think you're going to see nothing but that coverage until he shows that he can beat it on a routine basis. I got some bad news for you. <laughs> well, and I mean, like, think about who we're playing this year. Like, I, the Chiefs' defense, to me, it's less about matchup and more about it tries to get every team to do one thing, mm-hmm. which is basically it tries to force them to pass. Yeah. And so the run defense is terrible, uh, but it tries to get them passing because variance and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I get that. Chiefs I'm not worried about, but, like, Chargers – Packers, like these teams are going to disguise all the AFC North teams. Mm-hmm. They're all going to do disguise coverage, right? And what I do think my one criticism of Stefanski, like from a play calling standpoint, is I would like to see a lot more motion because I think it will help Baker read that. Uh-huh. And I hope now with Anthony Schwartz, we do more motion pre-snap. Yes, I, I think they do. I, I, uh, think that- I hope so. I think that opportunity is there. Yeah, I, I really hope so. I, he didn't do a lot of it in Minnesota, and he really didn't do a lot of it last year. So I kind of hope that that gets added. But, I mean, again, the question I... So we saw Rodgers in this offense, right? So when you have Aaron Rodgers with pre-snap motion so he could diagnose coverage before the ball snapped, you're screwed, right? And then he wins MVP. With Baker Mayfield... If that happens, I, maybe he becomes that good. I think the more likely scenario is if he learns to read based on stuff he can do pre-snap, mm-hmm. that's a serious improvement. And then we just need to get good. And by we, I mean Stefanski and Baker at audibling and pre-snap kind of motion stuff so Baker can figure it out. That didn't happen last year. And they it did a little bit towards then when they simplified everything. But you can't – I mean, Baker said – I saw him interviewed by uh, NFL Network. It was Joe Thomas and – I'm going to forget the other guy, Andrew, some of an S. But they – they Baker said, we expanded the offense pretty significantly. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I Baker, to me, is such a question mark. I, I see both sides, and to me, that's what's terrifying. Is yeah. it, like, if I'm seeing both sides, that's not a good sign for me to support, like, a new contract right now. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, we've we've had this discussion, as, you know, every which way and, you know, multiple times. It's, 
we don't have a definitive answer on what he is. And, and the fact that he could be... Uh, it could go either way is, is a possible huge long-term issue. And I mean, again, like, if Baker has a uh, borderline Pro Bowl season this year, and they have to overpay him, it sucks, but I would rather be in that world than in the world where we pay him a lot. So, like, I would rather be in the world where you're overpaying knowing in a few years the cap's going to rise versus paying him way too much money. Like, not just a slight overpay, but a serious overpay. Mm -hmm. Because then the rising cap doesn't help you that much. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. So, I just... I don't know. I, I like Baker. I hope Baker works out. I think the Browns probably behind the scenes are coming up with contingency plans every which way, right? Whether it's Baker's a pro bowler, borderline pro bowler, uh, MVP level, kind of like Josh Allen last year. I think mm-hmm. they probably have all that prepared. And I think they also have all of the Baker is the same guy to Baker's worse. I think they have everything prepared. They do. I can tell you right now. Yeah, I mean, it was funny. I was listening to the Pro Football Focus forecast, and they had uh, Josh Herzmeyer on today, and he made a point that I just strongly disagree with, which is, like, just because an organization... Well, I agree broadly, right? Like, his point was just because an organization has a lot of smart people doesn't mean it's a smart organization. He was using that to say the Browns were not a smart organization for extending Nick Chubb, which I totally disagree with. But I, I think... Part of what I also disagree with is I think the Browns are a very smart organization. Mm-hmm. I think, like, they finally got the right guys in place. Uh, and I don't mean that, like, Ivy League smart. I mean, I think, like, they function very well. Yeah. So I would be surprised if they don't have plan all these plans ready to go. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you there. I, I They probably have everything mapped out to such of just broken down almost OCD level of if if he plays like this we're going to give him this type of offer if he plays like this we're going to give him this better one if he plays worse uh we're not going to offer him anything they they probably have it like broken down by number completion percentage game they probably have this very ridiculous uh math equation that uh would give everyone a headache <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, I like to me the worst case world is the Mitch Trubisky world, and mm-hmm. I think the Bears. I know people disagree, and I don't understand it. I think they handled it bri- brilliantly. Like I, they got Justin Fields as Mitch Trub- as like the Mitch Trubisky experiment officially failed. Mm-hmm. I think that's just really good business, and I think the Browns probably are thinking about the same thing. Like, I, in a worst-case world. I don't think that's the world we're in with Baker. But in the worst-case world, I think that's their plan. I think you're right, right? They probably have, like, thought about this way harder than we have for multiple weeks, 40 hours a day, at a minimum, to, to come up with this. So I'm not super concerned on that point. I just, like, from a fan, I don't... I understand wanting Baker to be the guy. We all want Baker to be the guy. I just, I'm not convinced he is yet. And that's where I'm at. Uh, looking at uh, the contracts for the Bears real quick, not to get too 
in depth about the Chicago Bears. They are paying uh, Nick Foles and Andy Dalton a combined uh, eleven, almost twelve million dollars this year, and one of those guys is going to be inactive every Sunday. Um, just how it is, <clears throat> which kind of stinks. Uh, but now that we're at, at this point in the podcast, it is time for the wonderful and everyone's favorite new segment, Guys or Dudes, okay? <laughs> I love this segment. I really do. And keeping in theme with uh, the majority of the podcast here today, we're doing skill position players. You excited? I'm ready. You're Okay. Uh Let's start with running backs. Let's get these one out of the way real quick. Uh, Nick Chubb, certified dude. Okay? <laughs> yeah, okay. Done. Done. <laughs> Moving on. Yep. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I have him as a guy. Uh, so I actually, again, I I think about this based on where they are on the roster. Mm-hmm. Right? So for me, like, to have Kareem Hunt as your change of pace running back is absolutely insane. Yes. So I have him as a dude. Uh, Nick Chubb is a starting running back. I think fits in that group of running backs that's good but replaceable. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you don't want to pay the money to, but, like, I actually like the deal they have Kareem Hunt on. Uh, and, and, like, uh, really quickly, just to plug our Nick Chubb pieces again, mm-hmm. you can go to this is Believe Line and RealBrownsFans.com each, and we both have good pieces on Nick Chubb and why he's a dude. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just looking at Kareem Hunt as an isolated player. As a yeah. guy versus dude here, but I do agree with you as a backup. I would say as the number two running back, he's a dude. But what, dude. if Nick Chubb is unavailable for one reason or another, he's a guy. Right. I don't want Kareem. And we saw that. Like, I think if you have Pat Mahomes, any running back's a dude. I, I think Kareem Hunt kind of in a... Uh, in this Browns offense like we saw last year. Mm-hmm is definitely a, a, a he's a guy when he has to start but is a change of pace i really like him yeah absolutely so the next running back dearness johnson how do you sit on mr dearness johnson so unpopular I, I, he's not a dude but i actually like dearness johnson i don't want the browns to cut him mm-hmm. i think he probably does get cut but i really like him i like his story but i also think He's kind of, to me, like a poor man's version of Cream Hunt. Okay. He can do the Cream Hunty things. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So, um, you know, I would say guy. Yeah. But but he's, he's, he's still a guy, right? He's like above, like, what's below that, which is like, why are they in the NFL? <laughs> uh, uh, body? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Body. Body. <laughs> I'd put him at body, I guess. Uh, if that was a that was an option, but this is uh guys or dudes. Um right. uh, Demetric Felton, he's a rookie, not really uh rookie, fair I'm to, not even commenting. Yeah. I, I have no idea. Do you want to go tight ends or receivers next? Let's do tight ends. Because we did receivers earlier, so let's like end with receivers. Okay, okay. So uh Austin Hooper. Guy. I like Austin Hooper. Yeah. yeah I do. Yeah, I, I like Austin Hooper. I just, I, and I think he very likely will improve. It's a complicated offense for tight ends, so I think mm. just having another year in it, he'll improve. Yeah. 
but but to me he's still a guy yeah like, I, he is I was a on the fence placeable tight end i was on the fence and once you said guy you said a couple of things I'm like okay guy yeah you're right yeah I, he's good he's just like I, I he's replaceable i think there's a very realistic world where by the start of next season harrison bryant is a better tight end than austin hooper and I'm with you on that, which is why I have Art Man Harrison Bryant as a certified dude. Yeah, I real, I mean, his ability to find space is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Like it is just absolutely incredible. Like there, and uh, Dan Keys is gonna have an article on RealBrownsFans.com probably the end of this week and early next week. And he's going to talk, like, he has some awesome kind of stats and stuff, but Harrison Bryant does some things really well. Like, really, really well. The one thing I saw is on, the the stat that I really liked is that he run blocked on 218 snaps last year. Mm-hmm. Tell you guess how many blocks he blew. Uh, I'm going to say none. <laughs> no, he blew three. Three. 218 okay. snaps, that's pretty good. And then on... Pass blocks. He bl- pass blocked on 44 snaps. You okay. Take a guess here. Two. Zero. None. Zero. Okay. So I, I completely uh, got my guesses backwards. Um. <laughs> but, but that to me is like what, he's a really good blocker who's really good at finding space as a receiver. He has pretty bad hands, which is something he's going to have to work on. Mm-hmm. But that I think is common with young tight ends. So I'm less concerned about that. It is. I, I, know, I, I am also less concerned because of uh, where they drafted him. So it's yeah. not like this guy was a first-round pick. This guy's got to be, you know, an uh, impact guy from day one. The, like, they took him in the mid-rounds. You know, he this... played at Florida Atlantic. Like, he's never gone up against safeties like this before. He hasn't. And he's he's a guy who has all of the skills. He, just, he is someone who I think where they're all going to come together this season. Unlike our next tight end, David Njoku guy yeah i (laughs) i uh it sounds like bryant's overtaking him as the number two it's not so i i wait you mean you're not gonna gonna unleash him i I think (laughs) has a role on this team i think they want four tight ends so i don't think they're gonna trade him but this is last year's brown yeah i'm with you on that um there's no way they extend him uh Mm -hmm. There's no way uh, he gets more playing time, uh, especially after hearing that they're trying to incorporate Austin Hooper more into the offense. And yeah. if Harrison Bryant has overtaken him at camp, uh, David Njoku's snaps have just gone in the toilet. So, yeah, because uh, yeah. let's, let's be real here. Uh, Austin Hooper is a better receiver than David Njoku. Harrison Bryant is better everything than David Njoku. Yeah. Uh, and like it or not... It, He's not a good blocker at all. No, he, he went from being one of the worst in the NFL to being, like, pretty bad. <laughs> Which is still bad. It's still bad, right? I mean, it, 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 I think if he was a better receiver, you could deal with the blocking issues, but he, he's, he's not. You're right. He's not. I mean, it's like going from total shit to still shit. It's still shit. Right, 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 exactly. Like... It's not good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, David Njoku, he's a guy. I think that's about it for him. Uh, Steven Carlson, guy. 
he's a guy. He's fine. He's a guy. It's fine. He he is the goal line backup special teams tight end. It's fine. He's a guy. And you need those guys. You do. He's a guy. He's the fourth tight end. He will make the roster. I absolutely agree with that. Now, it's super fun time. The receivers. Odell Beckham All right. Jr. Dude. He's a, Dude. Here's the thing. <laughs> I, I think back to that Dallas game, and it's like, if Odell's not playing well, I am actually looking more towards Baker than anything. Because, like, you watch that Dallas game, and it's like, oh, oh, yeah, this is the guy the Browns traded for. Mm-hmm. You saw it. You saw yeah. it then. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he just destroyed them. There wasn't, like, they had, and Dallas didn't have a good defense, but, it, like, I don't care. I've That was one of the most dominant Browns receiver performances I've seen in the past decade. It, it, it was, it's like that, that stretch for Josh Gordon where he topped 200 yards like three times yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, then maybe like a game Braylon Edwards had once. Yeah. But like Odell also in that game was really good at blocking, which is something that Josh Gordon and Braylon Edwards never could say. Correct. They neither were good blockers. I mean, this is like one thing that I think people don't notice about Odell, but when the season starts, like everybody should actually watch him when the Browns run the ball. He's a really good blocker. He's yeah, very. I, I would say very underrated in that department. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think he and Jarvis may be the two best blocking receivers in the NFL. And you know uh, who Odell is better blocker than David Njoku? Yes. Oh 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 oh, by far, by far. <laughs> it's not even close. No. But uh, you, Odell honestly is a better blocker than uh, a lot of NFL tight ends. You're right. Well, you, you just mentioned him, Jarvis Landry. He's a dude. he's a dude. I, he, I, I listen. I hear the argument that like he's not the most like efficient of receivers, right? You're not going to gain like giant chunk plays out of him all that frequently. But that's not what he does, right? That's not what his position's for. Mm-hmm. I, and I think he can do that. But I think, like, there's a reason why, I mean, we don't always love them, but, like, Pro Football Focus constantly ranks him as, like, one of their better receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And it's because, like, yes, he's not efficient compared to a traditional X receiver, but he is incredibly efficient compared to a traditional slot receiver. I mean, the the, the one hang-up I have when people try to, like, essentially, you know, tear down Jarvis is, like, they're, they're not looking at him in the right context or in the right, right. through the right lens. Uh, right. You know, everyone loves, you know, Odell and what he does and his skill set and what his strengths are. But not that this is a fair comparison, but I've made it before and I'm going to make it again right now. If you were to make a comparison receiver receiver style from an old Patriots team about 11 years ago, Odell's Randy Moss, Jarvis is Wes Welker. You need right, that type right. of guy. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, I don't think either of them are as good as the they're not. guys, but, but, the, the, but the dynamic. I hear your point. Uh, yeah, I hear your point. The dynamics are identical. Mm-hmm. You need that guy that's just go always going to be there. You throw him, he's going to catch it more often than not. And he's just the guy that essentially lulls defenses to sleep by getting three to four yards consistently at minimum. Right. I mean, to me, he actually reminds me a lot of like prime Julian Edelman. That too. I mean, it's a very similar skill set. Yeah, I just and I, I think Julian Edelman is one of the most underrated players in my lifetime as an NFL player. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Julian Edelman at his peak was, I, I think, very similar, if not better, to what Jarvis is now. Like, just kind of like, he was always there. At, whenever Tom Brady needed him, he was ready. Yeah, always found a way to get himself open, always found a way to catch the ball more often than not. Yep. That's that's Landry. Yep. So, we talked about him uh, quite a bit earlier, but Rashard Higgins, guy. He's a guy. He's a guy. Yeah, we don't need to belabor the point here. He's yeah. a guy. He's a guy. It's just, he's a guy. He, he Again, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, right? Like, I've seen many, 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 many worse Browns receivers. But but he's not exceptional at literally anything. You're right. It, it, compared to NFL receivers. Obviously, mm-hmm. like, not compared to the average human. But just. Of course. He's fine, right? He's, he's a guy. Yeah. So, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Guy with the potential to become a dude. I'm with you there. Absolutely. Uh, Anthony Schwartz, the rookie. We're not going to rate him. Right. Um, Kaderil Hodge. He's a guy. I mean, given... Uh, the big question is... Because that's who the sixth receiver spot's coming down to. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Hodge versus Higgins. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't... I, I don't know. I don't know who the Browns keep. I think given last year, my gut is it's Hodge, but I don't know. That's one of those times where if Baker really is super close to Higgins and it just may keep the peace, right? You may keep the guy who's maybe slightly worse or slightly less useful in certain ways mm-hmm. just to keep the peace in the locker room. That's but, possible. Yeah, I think that six receiver spot comes down to Hodge for Siggins. Yeah. And uh, when we get down to these last five guys, we can pretty much just all group them. Uh, I mentioned them as guys, but guys, uh, Jamarcus Bradley, Alexander Hollins, Davian Davis, Ryan Switzer, JoJo Natson. Yep, they're all... I mean, I, the funny thing to me is a guy like JoJo Natson, right, who last year had a guaranteed spot on the team because we had nobody that can return kicks. Mm-hmm. We drafted two guys that return kicks in college. Yeah. So, I, I Natson, I think, is... I mean, yeah, I, Natson is going to be off the team. I don't see any way Natson makes it. Jamarcus Bradley, I think, is a practice squad guy. Yeah, he possibly. was pretty good last year, like when he had to play. And then you have like Davion Davis, um, and the other kind of Alex Hollins, right? Like those yeah. guys are all I, Switzer. I don't think those guys make the practice squad. I think those guys are out of jobs. Yeah. I, I'm I'm with you there. I think that's that's inevitably the end result for those guys. I mean, yeah, like when you look at this depth, it really. I'm mean, coming back to what we talked about earlier. It really is Donovan Peoples Jones and like, I guess, like emergency depth is your Higgins. But after that, I mean, it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Yeah. But I, I think uh, that was a pretty pretty clear-cut guys versus dudes, or guys or dudes there uh, for the skill position guys. I, I, uh, skill position players, let me mm-hmm. rephrase that. Because it, it, they seem firmly entrenched for the most part in either one category or the other. 
you know, there is someone like Donovan Peoples-Jones who has that, that potential, but it seems like, for the most part, everyone's, like, sorted into their little group, and it's like, yep, that's it, and it's not really going to change. Right, and I mean, listen, going back to what Jeff Schwartz said, I, I don't I don't know, like, in, I know a lot about the NFL. I don't know, like, the intricate details of teams' depth, but I, I can hear what he says about the Browns have the sans quarterback the best roster in the nfl i yeah. can i can entertain that i, I can't to me doesn't seem crazy but it's important to note the when healthy part of it yes the when healthy part when available and i mean playing at peak performance right right i the offensive line and the offensive line depth like Look at the Browns' like backup offensive line, right? Hubbard, Dunn, Harris, Hans, and I guess the backup right tackle would be Hudson, the rookie. Or I don't know, can Forbes play right tackle or Hans? I don't know what right tackle I haven't figured out yet. But point is, the backup offensive line probably is not the worst starting offensive line in the NFL. Like, that backup offensive line yeah. is just as good, if not better, as what the Steelers are throwing out there. Oh, God, the Steelers' offensive line's a nightmare. <laughs> so, so like, I hear Schwartz's point, yeah. right? Like, there are certain things on this roster where you're just like, holy shit. Like, they, they, it is just so... Running back's another one, right? No yep. matter how much you think running back's important or not. Like, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Ernest Johnson, Dimitri Felton. Like that, that's a really good running back room. And Andy Yanovich, who I think is probably the second best fullback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's even before getting to the defensive side of the ball, where you got. You right, know. right. And I mean, I think what was such a weakness last year in terms of cornerback depth, and I think we'll talk about cornerbacks in another episode, but like all of a sudden, it looks real like. Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, Troy Hill, right? Those are your starters. Mm-hmm. MJ Stewart was really good when he had to play last year. He will make the roster. AJ Green seemingly will make the roster. Mm-hmm. And they're both, like, seemingly looking pretty good. Greedy Williams, I think, makes the roster. I don't know what you get out of him. But, like, it's a really deep cornerback room. And then you got the safeties. You got John Johnson. You got uh, Ronnie Harrison, Harrison, Grant Delpit. Yeah. Hey, maybe this is just me uh, just throwing stuff into uh, possible existence, but hear me out. Considering how many corners you just named before Greedy Williams, and we'll get into this, I guess, more in a a different episode, do you think they would try converting him to safety after cutting Sheldrick Redwine? Uh, I think it depends how the, what's the rookie's name, LeCount? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, LeCount. I think it depends how he looks. If he looks good during camp, I think Reedy may be just kind of a super like a special teams guy. Mm-hmm. If he if LeCount looks like he may need a little bit longer, I could actually see Greedy because Greedy has part of that skill set. Mm-hmm. He I my worry is always going to be tackling. Like he may be specifically a deep safety, like and that's it. Like yeah. he cannot tackle really runners at all. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. Yeah. I mean, he's a nickel. Honestly, like, I think, to your point, I think that's probably what he becomes, is the nickel. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we can we can get into this, uh, we do Geyser Dudes defensive back ed- uh, edition. Yeah. Uh, a little I bit mean, more. point being, overall, I just, I think Schwartz is right. Like, uh, the receiver room is meh, but, like, every other room on this team is so deep. 
and mm-hmm. is so talented. It really is. Defensive tackle isn't that talented, but it's deep as hell. Like, oh, uh, gonna prop an article on Real Browns fans. Dan Keyes did post the first part of his series, and it's defensive players, and he actually has some really good stuff on Jordan Elliott, and that how Jordan Elliott may become a surprise starter, which is really interesting. So, everybody should give that a read. Yep, definitely check that out on realbrownsfans.com. Uh, that's going to do it because we've just uh, we've just eclipsed an hour here. Uh, but as always, uh, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud. This is Beliland.com and RealBrownsFans.com. Jordan, anything you got as we wrap things up here? That is it for me. Thank you so much again. Uh, rate review when you after you listen to the podcast. It, preferably not one star, but. No matter what, the more you talk about it, the better it is for us and for this podcast. So, otherwise, that's that's what I got. And most of all, and best of all, most importantly, subscribe.